the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is freeing to allow you to be the person that you were created back in the Garden of Eden, the person you were redeemed to be, to glorify God, to sacrifice for God, to sacrifice for others. This is wonderful. Join us now for Grace to the Bay as we glorify the Lord Jesus Christ through sound expository teaching by our teacher, Dr. Roger Chen. Grace to the Bay is the radio outreach of Grace Church of the Bay Area located in San Mateo. If you are blessed by Dr. Chen's message and are looking for a church home, you're invited to come worship with them. Now, here is Dr. Chen. There's another scenario that Paul sets forth. There's another believer there. He's also at the dinner. And he somehow knows that the meat was previously sacrificed on a pagan altar. Well, in that case, once you're informed, you politely refuse to eat the meat. Same dinner at the unbeliever's home. Here, we are going back to the issue of not causing another brother to stumble. We know this is not only because another person has brought up the meat's association with paganism, but Paul says, for the sake of the one who informed you. Then in verse 29, he will go on to say that this time you make a decision to not eat the meat for the other person's conscience. So, what is the criterion of Christian freedom? Whether or not it will cause somebody to stumble. And we've seen this truth all along. This is pretty much most of what Paul has been instructing us regarding gray areas. It's very simple, so let's move on. Our sixth principle in using freedom for God's glory is the concession of Christian freedom. We find this again in the beginning of verse 29. I just want to point out and make it a separate point. He says, I mean not your own conscience, but the other man's. Again, we are to prefer other people. You want to eat. You want to be polite. Your favorite dish is lamb. But for the sake of this weaker brother or sister, you don't eat for his sake, for his conscience. Because when there is someone there whose conscience will be affected by your exercise of Christian freedom, then you concede, you yield that freedom. Simply put, you don't want to hurt his conscience. You don't want to cause him to stumble. Here we can fittingly apply this to all areas of Christian freedom, all gray areas. Yes, you are free, but you must concede that freedom when it will hurt another believer. In other words, you concede that which is lawful because it is neither profitable nor edifying to him. Verses 23 and 24. 
It's not the main point here, but I want to give you a significant side point and a very practical side point. Both the stronger believer and the weaker believer were invited to an unbeliever's house for dinner. We as Christians need to have friendships and relationships with those who are not believers that are strong enough and influential enough that they would invite us to their own home for dinner. Nowhere in Scripture are we told to completely cut out unbelieving relationships. Because if that were true, then we should also remove all of the Scriptures that talk about evangelism and testimony. They were invited over. They had friends. They didn't burn bridges with their pagan friends who had just come from the pagan temple. They didn't burn bridges with their unbelieving relatives. They were still invited over. In our culture, especially in California, this would be more invited out to dinner. There are some states where their culture, where it would be offensive to take someone out to dinner. You invite them to your home and cook a meal. Here we more treat people to dinner, but you get the idea. They have relationships with unbelievers. We're back to our text. I want to give you a fifth or seventh, rather, and final principle in using freedom for God's glory, the condemnation of Christian freedom. The second part of verse 29 and verse 30 can be a little confusing. I'd like to clarify these for you. He says, For why is my freedom judged by another's conscience? If I partake with thankfulness, referring back to Psalm 24.1, why am I slandered concerning that for which I give thanks? Depending on how you look at this in the modern English, this could contradict, seem like it's contradicting what he just said. What Paul is saying is that if I choose to exercise my Christian liberty in front of someone who will stumble because of it, then that person will then be judging me in his mind. He will then be condemning me in his mind. And Paul's saying, why should I let that happen? Just to be polite to the unbeliever? Just to have that drink? Just to have that piece of meat? Why should I allow my freedom to be judged by another's conscience? And he's saying I shouldn't, and the way I shouldn't is by not practicing those things that would cause him to stumble. See, we like to take this verse and say, oh yeah, why should I let you judge me? I could do whatever I want in front of you. That's not what he's saying. Read the context. Ultimately, again, you choose not to partake of the gray area for the sake of the other person. He's not forcing you to abstain. It's still your freedom to choose or not choose. And in this case, it is your choice. And your choice is to not eat it. Do this out of love, preference for the other believer. And when you do it begrudgingly and not out of love, then you are letting their conscience control yours rather than the other way around. If you do it out of love, it is your conscience that says the right thing is to not eat. Thank you so much for inviting us, but we're going to pass on this meat. See, when you do it willingly and out of love, you are letting God's glory 
control your conscience. And what glorifies him is preferring others. To summarize, there are two issues involved in the danger of practicing gray areas here. We saw in this context that the stumbling would be caused by the weaker brother uh, who connects your eating temple meat to idolatry. One thing leads to another pretty soon. As we saw weeks ago, the weaker brother is practicing idolatry, even though you never did that, but simply by going to the idol or simply by eating that meat, he says, oh, that's okay, then this is okay, and he takes it further. We saw this played out in chapters 9 and 10. Paul adds a second issue here, which is that in addition to the stumbling, the weaker brother sinfully judges you, condemns you in his mind. Verse 30 goes back to verse 26. You give thanks. You think it's okay. You understand that all things come from God. Why should your thankfulness and correct mindset become a source of slander for the weaker brother? It shouldn't. How do you keep it from being that way? Don't do it. Just avoid it altogether. Again, we tend to do the opposite. See, Psalm 24.1, I gave thanks. I have the right attitude. I can do what I want. He stumbles or judges me. That's his problem. And Paul is saying, no, it's your problem. Because you are to prefer others. And we see this go full, full circle to where we started last week in verses 23 and 24. You say, well, he's a legalist. Even so, you are to be gracious and abstain. And is that how you teach a Christian who struggles with legalism not to be legalistic? See, I can do it. That doesn't work. That doesn't work in any situation. You wouldn't do that with your spouse. You wouldn't do that with your kids. It's absurd. Don't rub it in. Don't try to teach that something is okay by doing it in front of someone and thereby causing them to stumble even more. You've been there. You've seen other people do that. And did you say, oh, yeah, that's okay. I'm, you've really made me grow by uh, doing that thing in front of me that I thought was wrong. No. You judge them. You condemn them. You switch churches. Nobody learns that way. And if they do, they learn the wrong thing. Again, refer back to the potential of a Corinthian to think idolatry is okay simply because a Christian eats the wrong kind of meat. All of this that we have seen is about preferring others. A lot of times we talk about gray areas or Christian freedom and we get in a sinful way, I believe, hopeful that we will get guidance on how to practice the gray areas as much as possible. But I think very clearly, I know, actually, not think, that Paul has explicitly told us the opposite is true. When it comes to gray areas, you need to abstain for the sake of others. And so really what we saw last week in verses 23 through 24, preferring others, is the theme. It, it should be the motivation of everything we do not just things that are forbidden in Scripture or commanded in Scripture, but even the gray areas. 
even the mundane things that are so mundane they wouldn't even be considered a gray area. Because a gray area is, is something that some people think is, is okay and some people think it's wrong, right? We all agree on that definition of gray area. And if you look closely and if you're honest with yourself, you know that a definition of a gray area is not some people think it's really good morally. It's never that. A gray area is at best people think it's okay, it's allowable, maybe not the best, but we can do it, or it's flat out wrong. And even in the very definition of a gray area, we see that there's a stronger side that we are to lean towards. Well, maybe you think, well, no, I disagree with your definition of a gray area. There are some gray areas, biblically speaking, or the other side is that it is good. Well, now you know that it is a gray area and it causes some people to stumble, then you know that it isn't always good or defined as good. And when we talk about biblical love, because we're talking about freedom and glory, right? Biblical love glorifies God. This is not a bummer. This is not, well, I got, got to get rid of my liquor cabinet, got to get rid of this, got to stop doing this. Re- more restriction from Pastor Roger, more restriction from the Apostle Paul. No, this, you get, to do, you get to glorify God. You get to glorify God by sacrifice, sacrificing things, which let's admit you don't want to do in the first place. Yeah, kind of drain on my, my pocketbook anyways, got to hide it every time we have small group, whatever it is. You get to glorify God. You get to love people biblically. How much better is that? This isn't restraining. This is freeing. This is freeing to allow you to be the person that you were created back in the Garden of Eden, the person you were redeemed to be, to glorify God, to sacrifice for God, to sacrifice for others. This is wonderful. And I want to close this morning with a separate point. It comes out in this passage. It's not clearly taught in this passage, but it is something that you see very often in the New Testament. In other words, this is uh, an issue, a mindset, a practice that is not just when it comes to idols and meat. This is in everything. Gray areas, sinful areas, areas of obedience. And when you properly interpret this passage, and there's other passages that are more clear, there's a huge underlying point. And this point is one that the modern church, especially in Northern America, has completely gotten wrong and frankly has reversed. So when you take a step back, it becomes clear, and it comes from the example of the dinner. See, when Paul goes on to say that if a weaker brother is there and points out that the meat is from the temple of a false god and that you in turn are not to eat it, this is the same dinner. This is the same home, the same table in which Paul just said, be respectful, be a testimony, be polite to your unbelieving guest. Don't offend the unbeliever by not eating the meat unless it's to protect the believer. 
What's the huge lesson? As Christians, we are to love, prefer, and consider all men. All men. But as Christians, we are to love, prefer, and consider Christians over and above non-Christians. You are to treat Christians better than non-Christians. You are to love Christians more than you love non you are to love Christians more than you are to love non-Christians. This is in all just all over the scriptures. It's modeled by our God. Hate to break it to you. Your heavenly Father loves Jesus Christ more than he loves you. But he also loves you more than he loves your non-Christian sibling or child. You don't believe me? Galatians 6.10. So then, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people and especially to those who are the household of the faith. Do good to all people, but especially Christians. John 13, 34 through 35, powerful passage, famous passage. He is talking to his disciples. He is talking only to Christians here. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. You say, yeah, but he also tells them to love their enemies. In the Greek... Verse 34 says a new commandment. A new commandment there in the Greek does not mean new, as in I got a new car and I've never had a car before. I got a new car, completely new. I didn't just get a car wash. This is a new car. Before today, we didn't own it. That's not what he's saying. The Greek word new is more like when the waitress comes over and refills yourself, same cup, same ice, same soda, just giving you an addition to it. It means fresh in quality. Same commandment, love, they've known this all their lives, especially the Jews. But I'm giving you a new level of love, specifically for one another, and that's how the world will know you are mine. Your intense love for all people, yes, but your maximum intensity of love for one another. 1 Peter 2.17, honor all people, love the brotherhood. Honor everyone, respect everyone, but love Christians. This is why people say, you know, I've been to all these churches. We really need to be like all those churches where we, we really, we really want to just surround. When visitors come, we need to surround them, make them feel comfortable, make them feel loved, make them leave and say, wow, I was a visitor and they really loved us. And by God's grace, almost every visitor, at least before COVID, has told us that, told me that. Or at least the ones who have told me, given me feedback on the church. And that's great. We need to welcome visitors, but not to the detriment of fellowship with one another on a Sunday morning. 
because of these passages. I don't want our first-time visitors leaving saying, wow, they really loved me. I want them leaving and saying, wow, they really loved each other. And that rubs you the wrong way because the social gospel is a wrong gospel. The social gospel in so many churches today say sacrifice the church and fellowship for other people. Stop hanging out. Stop fellowshipping. Stop having all these meetings. Go out and feed the homeless. Go out and evangelize the lost. We need to do all of the above. But not as a priority over our relationships with one another. Do you want to believe these verses and passages that are so clear? Or do you want to believe a recent, yes, recent, movement, yes, movement, not theology, not doctrine, at least not biblical, a recent movement in the church that says we need to stop loving each other so much so we can love the world. That's not biblical. We are to do both but love one another more. The church today and especially the social gospel will tell you that we need to do that. That's simply not what the Bible says. It's a noble thought. Yeah. The world. They're dying. It's dark. It's a noble thought. But it is unbiblical. It sounds godly, but that actually contradicts God. This is not a call to not evangelize. We just saw this. I made a point that's not even in the text that you need to have relationships with unbelievers so that you can, they're comfortable enough inviting you to their home to eat. But we've just reversed this so much. Some of us have reversed it not because of the social gospel. You don't even know that their church is doing this. It's just for some reason or another, you just like unbelievers more. Maybe it's an anonymity. Maybe it's because they don't call you to, the, to a Christian standard like you know we will. Maybe they don't confront you. Maybe you can dress the way you want in front of them and not worry about things hanging out. Maybe it's you can practice all your gray areas. Or maybe, just maybe, you are so judgmental and so proud that you think your spirituality has reached a point that you're just better and different than us. Well, if that's the case, we definitely need you more, so hang out. Again, this goes full circle to that which is spiritually profitable and edifying to other believers. There's a, there, there's a nuance of this to the world, but you can't spiritually edify unbelievers. You can't build them up. There's nothing to build on. They're depraved. Now, Paul will go on and say very clearly, we'll talk about in the, next, in the coming weeks about evangelism and being a light to the world. But here it's talking about building one another up. And so with that principle and that focus and priority in your lives and in the gray areas, let's use our freedom wisely. Let's use our freedom in a way that aids the church. Let's use our freedom for God's glory. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity to look at your word and for the clarity of your word. I pray that we would be a people who are just careful. Lord, though we probably none of us would find us in this exact situation. May we have the right view of gray areas for the sake of your glory and for other people. May you help us cultivate a love and a preference for other believers and for the world. Help us to understand your call for a prioritization of our love for you, followed by the church, followed by the world. Help us develop that. Help us to play that out. Father, in times when we struggle with wanting to be around other believers, when we find the world more comfortable, unbelievers more comfortable, whether it's because of our sin or because of our love of sin or pride, whatever it may be, I pray that you would help us to value those who are like-minded, those, as we saw a few weeks ago, that we share that common communion with as we celebrate the Lord's table, an understanding of your sacrifice, a sharing of our redemption. Help us to love biblically you, the world, other believers in a way that you desire us to and to root out the barriers to that in our own lives. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. This has been Grace to the Bay with Dr. Roger Chen. For the next part in this series, join us next week at this same time. Grace to the Bay is the radio ministry of Grace Church of the Bay Area, practicing and proclaiming the purity of biblical truth. You are invited to join them for worship services in San Mateo, Sundays at 11 a.m. Visit gracebayarea.org for service times, directions, live-streamed services, listen to archived sermons, or to make a tax-deductible donation to help keep Grace to the Bay on the air so that we can continue to share Pastor Roger's teaching with you each week. Again, that's gracebayarea.org. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.